0: Awesome. So we are continuing our sermon series called "Milk and Honey," where we discuss how how we can possess the promises of God together. How, as a community, we can we can uh, live in and dwell in God's presence and in the promises that he offers us, that we can appropriate all of those and make them ours. So, Lord Jesus, I pray that as we, as we talk about your word today, that you would come and solidify in each and every person's heart, Father God, the things that you are doing for them. Lord God, I pray that no one would leave here the same. No one would leave here unchanged. Holy Spirit, let each of us experience more of your presence, more understand more of your ways. Lord God, the cry of our heart continuously is more of you, more of you, more of you. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. So, if you want the treasure, you're going to have to follow the map. Every treasure seeker knows this. Ask Laura Croft, she'll tell you. (laughs) But if you're going to get the treasure, you're going to have to follow the map. In 1952, a long time ago, someone was exploring the caves around the Dead Sea and they found a copper scroll. And on this copper scroll were written the locations of 63 stashes of treasure around the Middle East. Can you imagine? What a find! What a find! They they went and they obviously. I mean, I don't know. I don't know who wouldn't do this, but they followed the directions to those treasures. Unfortunately, those treasures had been raided by Tomb Raiders again. All apologies to Lara Croft. But someone else had got there beforehand. The thing about this treasure map was that even though it was a dud, it was hidden with a whole lot of other documents that were a treasure map of a different sort. So hidden all amongst amongst those around that, that copper scroll were what we have come to know as the Dead Sea Scrolls. And to be honest, if we're looking for a treasure map, if we're looking to live the blessed life, what better treasure map? than the scriptures, because the Dead Sea Scroll were passages of scriptures written out and hidden and preserved in that dry, arid climate. You know, every treasure map has some some explicit directions about how to get where you're going. At the same time, implied in the map is that if you don't follow the directions, if you do something else, you're not going to get to the treasure. Some some treasure maps are quite quite clear about it, like there are swamps over there, there are crocodiles over there, avoid those places. How many of you have looked at a treasure map ever? You You know what I'm talking about. You see, the Bible is no different. The Bible, indeed, is a treasure map. It, it, it is a set of directions by God to the blessed life, and in in this treasure map that we are going to explore right now, there are some some things that it tells you exactly what to do, and by implication. There are things that it's telling you not to do. It might be telling you them directly, don't do these things, but also it's implying if you do these things, you will get this outcome. If you don't do those things, you won't get the outcome. We're going to be reading a passage of Scripture from the book of Deuteronomy. Remember last week we talked about how how the, the nation of Israel had come to the border of the promised land and unfortunately they had gauged in grasshopper thinking. They had, uh, they had thought too small and as a result they hadn't gone into the promised land. They would had to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. Well, they were back at the border of the promised land again 40 years later. An entire generation wiped out. Caleb and Joshua, the only ones left, standing on the border of the promised land, waiting to appropriate the promises of God. And Moses stands up as they are on the border, and he gives six speeches or lectures about how they should live as they go in. In other words, directions or treasure maps to the blessed life. If you want to receive the blessings of God, live like this. We have those speeches or lectures recorded as the book of Deuteronomy, as they stood on the border and heard the words, live like this and the blessings of God will come. So we're going to read it together. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Deuteronomy 28. I'm starting in verse one and it says and if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field Blessed shall you be Sorry, blessed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of the ground and the fruit of your cattle. The increase of your herds and the young of your flock. And blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. And blessed shall you be when you come in. And blessed shall you be when you go out. I've always wanted a blessed kneading bowl. I haven't been very good with that. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. I've always wanted that. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. Imagine playing a rugby game with that kind of blessing on you. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your barns and on all that you undertake. And he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God has given you. The Lord will establish you as a people, holy to himself, as he has sworn to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, and all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. Verse 11, and the Lord will make you abound in prosperity in the fruit of your womb and in the fruit of your livestock and in the fruit of your ground. When the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give you, the Lord will open to you his good treasury. The heavens to give the rain to your land in the season and to bless all the work of your hands. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will will make you the head and not the tail. And you shall only go up and not down, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, being careful to do them. And if you do not turn aside from any of the words that I command you today, to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. If you do not turn away from the words that I have given you today, to the right or to the left. These are the blessings that shall come upon you. You see, an important thing to note is that God's commandments are treasure maps to blessings because he loves you. God's commandments are, are directions towards the blessed life. There's a very famous story in John 8 in which a woman who has been caught in adultery is brought before Jesus. And as she is brought before Jesus, her accusers say to Jesus, she should be stoned, what do you say? Jesus makes a profound statement and he says this, let the first person who has no sin cast the first stone. You know the story. Everyone drops their stones and walks away one by one. The woman is left before Jesus and he says to her, where are those who accuse you? Where are your accusers? And she responds, they've all gone. And he, the only one who was qualified to throw a stone, the only one in that group that had never sinned, the only one who had a right to accuse her, stands up and said, neither do I. Accuse you. You know this this moment when when the grace of God just meets this woman in her desperation, on the brink of possible death, pulls her across over the border into the life of God. But what I love about the stories is, Jesus doesn't leave that woman there. He doesn't just say, "Oh well, you." You, you escaped death today. He speaks to her a very proud, profound thing. He says, go and sin no more. You see, his love for her meant that he didn't just want to save her from death. But he wanted to bring her into a kind of experience that was filled with the blessings of God. That was filled with life and happiness and truth and abundance and prosperity and good relationships and healthy family and just a future that was filled with good things. And in order to do that, he gave her some directions. He gave her a map to the treasure of the blessings of God. Go and sin. No more. You see, God's love is absolutely unconditional, but his blessings are not. God's love is unconditional, but his blessings are not. I know that's a shock. Can you all just take a deep breath? God's love is unconditional. There is nothing that can stop him from loving you absolutely nothing. However, the blessed life is conditional on some things. You see, the way you live really matters. The way you live really matters. You know, there are, there are two kinds of fathers in the world. We heard about the one kind of father recently in the news and praise the Lord. Uh, there are no fathers like this in our midst but the kind of father that would give their children poison drink on their way to school and then there there are other kinds of fathers which I'm grateful to say that the majority of us the majority of the fathers is, is ones that would would ensure that their children get healthy food, healthy drinks, that they take them on uh, road trips to the seaside, on, uh, make sure that they get to the movies, fill the house, house with life and blessings and happiness and, and good times, go on camping trips, have jokes, watch movies together. And you see, this kind of good father following the news reports of recent times may say to his sons to his daughters when you go to school don't drink the juice from those other fathers don't drink the juice from those other fathers and this would this would also be like our heavenly father So good and loving and kind and and wanting to pour out his love on us. But at the same time, reminding us that there are most certainly conditions to the blessed life. There are things to be avoided and there are things to be embraced. And a good father continuously gives you those directions, those treasure maps to the blessed life. some scriptures that I think will really work for you. Jesus, speaking about his words, he says this, If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Heck, I want to ask whatever I wish it be done for me. But there's a condition to that. You must abide in his word. You must allow his precepts, his commandments to direct your path. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. You are my friends if you do what I command you. You see, God's love is unconditional. But the blessed life is not. As you can see from the scriptures I read to you is that blessings are linked to obedience. Blessings are linked to obedience. Jesus, you know, he had a way of speaking that that really challenged challenges your inner values, challenges you at the deepest place. He made two statements which which really when you read them just kind of rock your world a little bit. In Matthew 7, he says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who obeys, or sorry, the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but him who does the will of my Father in heaven. My friends, think of this for a moment. He's saying lip service isn't good enough. He say just allowing yourself to be named as Christian isn't good enough. Just filling in on the survey which religion tick Christian is not good enough. We must do what he says. In another place, Luke 6, he says this why do you call me Lord Lord and not do what I tell you? Same thing. Lip service isn't good enough. It must, must be linked to obedience. It must be linked to doing what he says. You see, church, whether you like it or not, gossip and slander is going to lead to broken relationships and isolation. Whether you like it or not, financial dishonesty and stealing is going to lead to financial ruin. Whether you like it or not, dishonor for your leaders and your parents is going to lead to a stuntedness in your growth as an individual. Whether, Whether you like it or not, Serving other things other than Jesus is going to lead to your ruin. Whether you like it or not, uncontrolled outbursts of anger are going to lead to a destroyed family. So my friends, as we, as we look at that list, our hearts should be quaking a little bit. Oh my word, Lord, how do I live well? how do i let honor kindness love rule my actions and my thoughts how do i how do i allow allow financial wholeness to be a part of what i do how do i allow healthy wholesome words to be my everyday experience how do I allow self-control in my emotions to govern my relationships how do I do these things so that the blessings of God might come upon me when we look at that it can make us feel overwhelmed because I don't know about you doing the right thing all the time is tough is there anyone else here who feels that at the point in the sermon, I want you to feel this. Oh, my word, I can't do it. You know, you've heard the famous prayer Lord Jesus, thank you that I haven't harmed anyone today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that I have not lied. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that I have not cheated anyone, nor have I sworn. Nor have I gotten angry. But Lord, I'm just about to get out of bed, so please, will you help me? Perhaps you've prayed that prayer. Well, Paul, the apostle, kind of prayed it or wrote it down in scripture a little bit differently. He said it like this in Matthew 7. He said, not sorry, Matthew, Romans. He said, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Wretched. I mean it was like he heard me preach that list and he was like wretched man that I am perhaps he just read in Deuteronomy just read Deuteronomy it's Lord, Lord wretched man that I am who will save me from this body of death praise God he didn't stop there thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord there is therefore now no condemnation he just I'm jumping one verse there For those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit and life has set you free. You see, God not only gives us directions to the blessed life, but he gives us power for the blessed life. And really, I want to to finish the sermon with an important point. That obedience, obedience that leads to blessing is only possible through God's grace. And this is the beauty of a church, is that grace is made available to us through Jesus Christ. And my friends, grace is not that God turns a, a blind eye to your sin. My friends, that is not grace. Grace is something so much more powerful than that. Grace is that God looks at you and sees you absolutely as you are. He loves you completely, but he sees you, all your flaws, all the wrong things you've done, all the good things you've done, but oh my gosh, he is not deceived. But with open arms, he says this, come to me and I will change you. That woman that was caught in adultery could never have walked away from any other person hearing go and sin no more and had any success in that instruction. The only reason she could walk away and and find the strength to live without sin was because Jesus spoke it into her soul. And you see, when God speaks, it's more than just words. When God speaks, worlds are created. When he speaks into your soul, be righteous, be whole, be alive. There is a powerful force that floods you and changes you. It puts things in there that weren't in there before. It takes things out that were there and shouldn't have been. It it clacks things into place. It makes it work. Clacks things into place. It's a very theological term. There is a, there's a scripture in Titus that is so empowering. It says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Praise the Lord. His grace reached down, and He saved you out of death. He brought you into life. He established you in His kingdom, but He didn't stop there. He didn't stop there. It says, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Can you feel the power of God making you into the kind of person that can carry the blessings? As you stand on the promised la- border of the promised land, your promised land, where the promises of God are manifest, all the things he's called you to, All the things He's promised to you as you stand there surveying the goodness of God that is in your future. At the same time, there is a power that comes into you, that changes you into the kind of person that can carry those blessings. But my friend, without that, without that, there can be no blessed life. John Adams he's a friend of Andrew and mine he he got saved at the age of 16 after being arrested for stealing a friend of his came and prayed with him in his police holding cell and led him to the Lord he didn't just get saved however has he engaged with the power of the living God. He got free of the years of resentment, bitterness, anger, and even a sense of murderous intent towards his father, who had abused him for years. John John Adams, to this day, has grown up in the Lord, raised a family, and now leads a ministry that sets other men free from addictions. And is living the fullness of the blessed life. Grace met him. Changed him. Set him free. And empowered him to live. So that the blessings of God could come upon him. Tabung, a, a young man that I knew at Rosebank when I was pastoring there had experimented with every single kind of drug imaginable. He got saved the morning he woke up after attempting suicide and the suicide attempt had not worked. He woke up shocked. I'm still alive. He decided perhaps God had something for him. Surrendered his life To Jesus. God didn't leave him there. That young man spent years just appropriating the grace of God, learning how to live out the basic uh, ways of Christianity, just diligently doing the things that make for wholesome living. And today, he's married free from all mental illness working for a multinational company doing consulting all over the world living the blessed life because he allowed grace to enter his life you see there are two wells that you can drink from you can drink from the well of human autonomy those or that's the well Where I'm in charge, I'll make a difference. I'll pull myself up by my bootstraps. I'll be better. I'll work harder. I'll try more. You can live from that well, but you will die. Or you can come and drink from the well of God's grace. You can open up your heart. You can make space in your heart for his grace. You can allow him to speak to you, teach you, change you listen for his voice allow him to order your steps and direct your life in line with his word so that you're obeying his commandments not out of duty but out of an overwhelming sense of gratitude for what he's done for you and when you do that when you make space for grace you live out the commandments of god And the blessings of God come upon you because you see God's love is unconditional. But his blessings are not. But he has made a way for you to live in the blessings of God by his grace. My final story is the story of a man by the name of Levi. And he was a very wealthy man. He made his fortune exploiting the poor. Jesus met him. You can read the story in Mark 2 or Luke 5. Jesus met him. And to a man that outwardly showed no reason that he would be used by God in God's kingdom, Jesus looked him in the eye and said, follow me. That man, down tools, went after Jesus. Jesus came to his house and visited with him. He opened up his house. He made space for the grace of God. He made space for Jesus Christ in his life. He opened up his heart. Jesus came in and changed him. And he became one of Jesus' apostles, writing the book of Matthew. Renamed Matthew. Levi. Levi and Matthew are the same person. You see, that's what God does. Because he has, a, he has a picture for your life that is filled with blessing. And so He saves you out of destruction. But He doesn't just leave you there. His grace, His presence comes to walk with you step by step, to change the way you think, to change the way you act, to put the structures in your life so that you can carry the blessing. Do you know how much each of these parts of the stage weigh? Do you have any idea? Each of these quarters of the stage weighs 200 kilograms. Will you all just take a deep breath? No one is stealing these. But they make me think of grace. Because when we had to carry them in here, it took a lot of effort. And my friends, the blessings of God are so weighty, so enormous, so good, so powerful, that my friends, you cannot carry them alone. They're bigger than you would ever imagine. But God comes with His grace, which is like a giant crane that just comes under the blessings and carries them with you. It's kind of like you're... God's carrying the entire 200 kilograms and you've got your, like, your pinky finger on the edge and he says, well done, you're carrying well there. So as we close, I would like to pray for us. And my friends, my desire and my goal for each and every one of you is that you would live the blessed life. That description we read right in the beginning of how God was going to bless every part of you, even your kneading bowls. You have a kneading bowl. Go out right now and buy a an kneading bowl. But he's going to bless every part of your life because you are, you are bringing your life under his grace. You are allowing him to mold and create you in such a way that you're following his commandments and you're doing what he says.